0: chats from the blog cabin your favorite podcast is here
1: chats from the blog cabin you know the show where I invite people virtually into the blog cabin to chat about life and today we're chatting about homelessness now we're we're not not, I knew I was gonna get your name wrong I already asked you before we went on but I knew it Rajni she is an associate professor and she's actually a PhD I'm gonna throw that out there congratulations to you Thank you. I I just got promoted to professor recently. So (laughs) that's right. You (laughs) story. (laughs) Yes. Um, she's a social justice education at Stetson university and she's also the founder and executive director of the property and homeless conference. Um, so welcome to the show and tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us how you got started into working with, um, homelessness.
2: Well, thank you so much, Melissa, first of all, for having me and for uh, doing this. What a beautiful, I just think it's wonderful that we're able to engage and share in conversation and that you highlight so many diverse voices on your show. So thank you again for having me today. Um, I do have a poverty and homelessness conference at Stetson University. And while it's called a conference, it really is more of a movement uh, because it's kind of the conference happens over one day, But then there are many connected pieces that unfold throughout the year, uh, working with schools, working with community partners. It really is this uh, kind of beautiful uh, beacon of light and hope in the midst of all of the pain and daunting nature uh, of poverty and homelessness, especially child poverty and homelessness in the U.S., and so, uh, the, the conference and movement is really an effort to bring diverse stakeholders together to talk about some of these challenging topics, to start to dig in to say, what are some of the systemic and structural issues that are causing this? And how can we in our own communities really taking this grassroots approach, uh, you know, come together to come up with sustainable solutions to positively impact the lives of
1: our children and our youth? So, how did you get involved in, in the re- first of all, research about it? And then, yeah. you know, what made you decide, yes, I'm going to focus on homelessness? Sure. So this is really, um, it's something in my own kind of family
2: journey and lifeblood. And um, it is uh, something very close to my heart. So even as a child, um, you know, through various kinds of traumas and experiences, um, but then also having the opportunity as, as somebody who is young to really spend a lot of time in soup kitchens and shelters. And I was really raised uh, by my amma and appa, mom and dad, uh, to have the strong consciousness uh, that poverty and homelessness doesn't have a single narrative. It can impact and affect mm-hmm. anybody, right? From somebody who just lost everything in a hurricane uh, to somebody who was born into the cycle of poverty and we make it very hard in so many ways to to kind of break out of that because of structural and systemic issues uh, to somebody who is battling addiction because of trauma in their own life uh, to domestic violence. And so uh, really understanding kind of the uh, diversity and breadth of of homelessness as well. Uh, But then understanding also that we all have agency We all have the opportunity I think to give back and to help each other out uh, in our communities to uplift one another. And so I know for uh, my own folks, they were so grateful uh, for so many people who helped us along the way in our journey. And um, so I was really taught with that same kind of mentality of giving back and uplifting. And for me, you know, I'm a teacher at heart, an educator a former mm-hmm. public school teacher. And uh, before I, I moved into the university professorate world and, um, you know, even in education, uh, always kind of uplifting and working with children and youth who so many times are in situations uh, that are just, you know, it's they're shameful that our nation is putting, you know, children in these situations. The fact we have millions that are facing food insecurity. They don't know where they're gonna get their next meal when we really have plenty to go around. So uh, these are things I wrestled with, I think, as a child, uh, asking a lot of big questions, um, wanting to find answers, not always finding answers, um, but realizing very early on that if we can do something, we should do something. And even if we don't, you know, even if it starts in our own community, uh, You know, doing something can set off ripples. And if more and more folks collectively get involved to do good, that goodness just can grow and it can sustainably and positively impact lives. And so for me, this is really it's part of my whole life's work. When I was a high school student, Melissa, I actually I started building um, children's play centers and shelters. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I noticed is a lot of homeless shelters uh, do not have areas for children to just be kids. Mm -hmm. right they can be very chaotic places by nature because you have so many different situations uh, people are facing and hardships uh and so for kids you know it it was hard as a kid right you know playing with friends we didn't really have a space to go so you're absorbing all of the trauma around you Uh, if you had to do homework Sometimes there wasn't a place that was quiet where you could just sit and do homework, mm-hmm. or just be a kid. And in some of the urban shelters, you don't really have the outdoor space either. Where some shelters have, um, you know, playgrounds in the back, so kids mm-hmm. can kind of go there. Um, but you know, there's a lot of uh, limitations in a lot of shelters uh, just by the nature and context of where they're situated. Uh, and then on top of that, we know we have a shortage. Ex- shortage of family emergency shelters across the United States. So, and the COVID-19 pandemic has, of course, exasperated and magnified all these issues.
1: Now, I, I'm going to pick up on one point that you were talking about, about being yeah. in the public school system, is that I was also a public school teacher as Yay. well. So, <laughs> I saw firsthand, like you said, how yes. these children suffer and a lot of people were like well why can't their parents do any better you know and we have to educate that sometimes the parents are trying the best that they can trying to do everything they can to get out of the state that they're in but it just seems like every possible bad thing that could happen to them has happened all at one time that made them into the situation it's not like they're not trying to get out of the situation Oh, absolutely, and I think I think these are some of the myths and
2: stereotypes around homelessness too that we tend to have uh, nationally, but then even you know within states and communities where uh, you know the, uh, people will often kind of equate homelessness with laziness and say if they would just get a job. Uh, but I'm the vice president of the National Coalition for the Homeless, uh, and so we do a lot of data and work and research around this, and I can tell you it's almost fifty percent of people who are in homeless situations are working more than one job and they are homeless. So some are working two, even three jobs. And the reality is we have a severe lack of affordable housing, uh, lack of a fair living wage, uh, compounded with really lots of structural and systemic issues that exist uh, that make it very hard, uh, you know, in in a sense to just survive. Um, And then you add in something like the COVID-19, the pandemic, um, and it is really distressing to see the numbers in our communities that were already unacceptable before the pandemic, but now have continued to grow and surge even up to 40% increases in some communities. And we have millions of evictions also looming. So this is really, I mean, it's heavy, heavy stuff. And I think one of the the, the first things we all have to do in our communities is to, um, Put humanity or shared humanity, mm-hmm. prioritize and put that back first, and to work very very diligently to break these stereotypes that exist. I love what you said, Melissa. Right? So many of the parents are are doing the best they can. Right? They are working hard. In the U.S., uh, you know, gender inequality also comes into this. We have many women with uh, children who are single mothers um, also tied into incarceration lots of tangled webs here but the women um you know are sometimes working those two three jobs that i was talking about and so they're doing the best they can to provide food on the table to, to make sure they can stay with their child um you know one of the most uh i think really really uh daunting kind of fears for so many of the moms I work with is having their kids taken away from them. There's this kind of real fear of that. And they have more than enough love and they're doing their best to get those resources, right, best that they can. Um, But we have some really difficult situations that are really systemic issues. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we look to just fix the people, but I say, no, we've got to fix these systems and structures that are uh, keeping these social inequalities
1: and growing these social inequalities um, in our in our world. So let's talk about some of the things, some of the structures yeah. that needs to be fixed. Yeah, I love that.
2: Um, so many, right? So many structures in so many different kinds of ways. Um, you know, so one, there's connections, even when we talk about poverty or homelessness, mm-hmm. there are these connections to almost every other kind of facet of, of oppression, if you will, right? So even um, we can't talk about it without even bringing in racial uh, equity mm-hmm. and racial equity issues into play. Um, even when I mentioned evictions, um, the majority of the evictions um, right now in our country it is like up to 80% are black mothers, right? With children. Uh, so we can't have these, we we tend to wanna have these conversations in so many different silos, but the reality is we have to start to have these more intersectional conversations to see the overlaps. And those overlaps are often these roots of, of structural issues, right? That we start to see. Um, so even things like racism come into play. Um, even I think about mental health. We do not do an adequate job in our country, in our communities and states providing support for mental health and you know it is very real when when someone is struggling in so many ways and doesn't have the public health resources they need Um, and and it's always that that question right in in some cases even Addiction. Right. A lot of folks will say, well, so many people who are in homelessness have addictions. Right. But what's interesting is addictions are actually through every single socioeconomic class. Right. First of all, and actually even magnified more when you start to look at data in the middle and upper class. But yet those in homeless situations or in low income situations are Mm -hmm. often um, very quickly judged and here's the thing what we find is sometimes there are people who didn't have those addictions but they are in homeless situations and homelessness has this sheer violence or layer of, layers of violence that comes with it um and and they end up starting to kind of self-medicate or treat in ways right which can cause addictions now that's not saying sometimes addictions are not also the cause of homelessness you also have that um it gets kind of complex in its nature, right? But if you start to dig a little deeper, you start to see a lot of structural issues, the poverty issues, even environmental issues. Mm-hmm. So many um, folks who are in poverty and homeless situations, uh, they have higher risk for asthma and are struggling with lung uh, issues and struggles, right? I have asthma myself, it's, and it's its not fun. Um, and So many have higher risk and exposure to lead, uh, you know, through paints because of structures they're living in, Mm -hmm. um, through water contamination. You think about Flint, Michigan, what happened with water. So there's these environmental pieces that start to come in and then we can get into schooling and education. And I would say that's one of the biggest, right? um, Mm -hmm. We see so many opportunity gaps in terms of access and opportunities children are provided uh based on socioeconomic status right in schools schools are often low income schools um they're the first for example to get arts programs slashed Mm -hmm. and yet what we know is the arts are one of the most powerful uh kind of realms of education that offers so many 21st century skill sets our children and youth need but especially children and youth who have trauma the arts can have enormous benefits so instead of giving that to them we are taking that away structurally right and the standardized testing pressures that adds to it Mm -hmm. so it's a lot i mean it's just so many different and i think that's why sometimes um you know you sometimes have this kind of apathy or people kind of break down because they say i don't know where to start Right? There's so much that needs fixing, in a sense, in our world. So many fractures that are so, so deep. Um, but yet, those fractures are not going to get better. And in fact, they are deepening and widening and growing in our nation. Uh, and that's not going to stop unless we, the people, get
1: together and make it stop. Right, We, the people, stand up. Okay, so we're going to go to a quick commercial. When we come back, I want to touch on something that you Talked about the arts and yes. you know where that's going, but here's a quick commercial break. Thank you. Chats from the Blog Cabin. Enjoying this, Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now.
0: Thank you. Hi, my name is Joanna, and I would like to share with you a little bit about Shores of Grace, Shores Philly. It's a ministry located in Philadelphia. The portion of shores that I volunteer for goes into Kensington, an area greatly impacted by homelessness and addiction. And we go and we take love, food, clothing, snacks, conversation. Um, We believe that it is a way that we can meet people right where they are and show them the love of Jesus. Uh, We have seen lives changed in big ways and in small ways. And we have built wonderful relationships with the people in the community. Uh, We have big plans, more we'd like to do, um, and we would appreciate any support, either through prayer or through donation. If you would like to donate, you can go to shoresofgrace.com and in the menu, click on Donate. We just ask that you put Philly in your donation comments. Thank you.
1: And we are back. Let's talk about the arts, because you actually have something that's pertaining to the arts that helps. um, (laughs) With homelessness, <laughs> I love it. So
2: you know, so I would say, um, Melissa, for me, you know, just on a personal note, right, the arts have, uh, you know, been one way I've been able to sustain myself in my own journey when I've had various traumas and hardship. So even um, as a child, I feel very uh, blessed and lucky um, that I was able to to find ways to express myself in healthy ways through poetry, through painting, um, and again, these were things for a long time, even and poetry uh, that I kept kind of tucked away in my own private journals, I would doodle and it was a way to um, stay resilient in ways, to find faith in ways, Um, all of these things we need as humans. Um, And as I, I grew and as an educator, I I know the power of the arts firsthand, and I felt that all children, youth, they deserve opportunities to be immersed and to learn and to have these healthy outlets, right, in ways, and also to be able to find their voice. I think the arts allows us to find what we're passionate about. It allows us to use our voice in meaningful ways, right? Even I think about what you're doing here with, with your blog. It, that is an artistic form, right? Where you're having conversations, you're having to visually create something. Um, and so many of our children and youth, you know, again, going back to those structural issues, don't always have those opportunities. Um, so for me, you know, poetry is is one way I, I really believe in, um, I, I in addition to being a professor and and being part of the National Coalition for the Homeless and a mother myself, I have two children, uh, I am also an artivist. So an artist and an activist put together, right? An artivist. I use my art as a way to to really push forward a lot of social justice issues. And so um, I paint, I I dabble in all sorts of kinds of sculpting, creativity, but one of my favorite things is poetry. (laughs) And I I love to write. And so, um, you know, it really was the youth I work with that inspired me in so many ways because I kept telling them, you know, get your thoughts down on paper, right? And some some it's about writing, some it's about performance, spoken word poetry, uh, but, but whatever it is, find ways to take your pain, to take your scars, to, to find healing in some sort of way, to give healing to others by sharing in our own vulnerability and experiences. And so that really pushed me to say, you know, it's time for me to get my poetry out there into into the world, to launch it in a public way. And so um, I finally, this is my first collection of poetry. Um, I'm so excited. It's called toluminous um, and I made up the word. I kind of talk about it in the very beginning of my book. It's a Sanskrit word. Um, You know, tulu meaning rising uh, and tulu is very much connected with water and luminous connected with light. So this idea of water and light, and if you think about water and light, uh, water can be such a healing source. In many ways, we all in our mother's womb, right, we're floating around in a sense. Um, Light, you think about sunlight and how sun is needed to nourish so many things in our life. Um, But in that same way, right, water and light um, can also be destructive. You think about tsunamis. Um, Hurricanes, right now we have a hurricane that might be passing through soon in Florida. So we've been preparing, right? Um, You know, so you think about water in that sense as well. Um, And light, the same thing. Even with homelessness, I think about sunlight. And um, in the summer in Florida, um, you know, so many, just like during the winter months up north, where so many are are weathering the weather um, and we lose lives, lose lives every year because of weather conditions. the sunlight can be so strong here; uh, we lose lives because of um, you know de- they get dehydrated, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and heat um, exposure. And so it's really interesting. I play with this kind of juxtaposition, um, but ultimately it's a call to action. For us to um, you know, all use our, our talents and ways to, to improve our world, to build healthier communities um, and schools. And so there's a lot of pieces of justice. There's a lot about kind of our shared humanity in this. Um, it, there's a lot about healing. And, um, and a lot of it is, is, you know, I weave personal kinds of narratives, social issues, uh, kind of weaving together a lot of different things, um, but all raw from my heart and soul. And um, I'm very, very excited to be able to share this. Now, of course it came out during a pandemic. And so I didn't get to do my book readings yet or any of that, so I'm quite excited actually to be able to share even today with you. (laughs) Um, It feels very exciting. Um, And I love all of the proceeds are being used to help youth in homeless situations and to promote the arts. So I have a number of projects that I lead in our community, uh, mentoring programs uh, for youth who are low income uh, youth, uh, youth of color and um, wonderfully talented, beautiful uh, children who uh, really deserve these rich opportunities we're talking about. And so a lot of the mentoring programs do just that, trying to give them resources, opportunities, expand their views, help them to dream big and to achieve those dreams in ways. Um, but also trying to work with the community for collective impact to dismantle uh, lots of the stuff that that exists that should not be existing, right? The stuff that is causing a lot of the pain. And so really working towards that, I also have a movement called Acts of Justice and Kindness. Um, and I founded this and I co-direct it with a dear friend of mine, Felicia Benzo. And um, it is wonderful. We, we talk about empathy with children and youth. We talk about agency, how can they use compassion and kindness um, to also better our world, right? To improve our world. How do we, uh, you know, find ways to reconnect with each other? And while technology certainly has so many different pros, right? There are also challenges. Um, and how do we remember the shared humanity? You you start to watch so many news stories, or just kind of in the media, how even folks who are in homelessness, our own brothers and sisters and human beings. Uh, are often dehumanized in ways. And um, it's really awful, right? And so I think part of the efforts in these projects is to get kids early on to tap into that shared humanity, to understand the power of empathy, the power of love, the power of agency, that we can all do something, right? With what we have, where we are situated to positively impact our world. Um, I really believe that, right? And when we come together, that power exponentially can grow. And I think that's quite exciting as well. And so I touch upon a lot of that in this book, and um, I'm excited. The proceeds, like I said, a lot of I use art as a way to support the projects that I'm doing now. Um and these poems are they're they're definitely written on the page but a lot of them are also for the stage, right? So I, they're, they're meant to read, read aloud as well. Um, I love spoken word as well, it's, it's so much fun. I think it allows you to use your body and expression and vocal variety and um, so much healing, healing and hope in the arts, right? I, I love that about the arts.
1: So I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. Would yes. you consider reading one of your poems? Oh, I would love to, it would be an honor. Thank you for asking that.
2: Okay. Let me, let me look and see which one I want to read. <laughs> uh, this is quite exciting. Um, okay. Let's see. I'm trying to find the, the right well, all of these are, I feel them in my heart. So I'm just trying to think. Um, so this one is kind of fun because it, it is about kind of this idea of creativity. And since we are talking about the it's kind of organically folded in that way. I'll, I'll read this one. And it's called Wings Spread Open. Clock towers joyously chime, unplugging to journey inward. I am stocked up on cough tea. Bundles of colored pens fill my hands with thirsty invitations from dusty sketchbooks. Parched spirit opens wide for Indra to flow through me. I guzzle raging thunderstorms. Let gentle rainfall marinate on my lips. Midnight hair, tickling my toes, pulse navigating the way, listening to quadrants pointing towards the sun. Creativity uncovers her eyes. Determined to find me after a protracted game of hide and seek, ready or not, here I come. She trustingly bellows and I awake from hibernation, walk out of the shadows towards her voice, liberated from uncomfortable camouflaging, from twisting myself into sundry pretzel positions to fit inside of miniature closets, sandwiched between furniture and walls, bruising from being crushed, swaddled too tightly in curtains, breathing shallow and dreaming of air. I am now liberated. I walk towards her voice, unshackled and free, stretch my limbs and Tarzan yodel, woo! Wearing a silver crescent smile, hibiscus garlands around my neck, reflecting the element of water, Swabistana. Feeling a spark below my navel, I swallow uncertainty, buckled up, wings spread open, diving into the depth of prayer of faith, invoking Varuna, I extend myself across ocean. Atlantic to my left, Indian to my right, Ignite my inner muse and begin to flutter my wings. Ready or not, here I come, she repeats even louder. And without hesitation,
1: I respond. Ready. Wow, I got chill bumps as you're reading that. <laughs>
2: oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah I thought that was a you know, a little more fun. It's about creativity. I have some really heavy ones in here as well about poverty, um, a few about poverty. Um, you know, just various kinds of um really social issues um, but but also really kind of wrapped in this idea of hope and light and healing. Um, and so uh, you know I, I I really feel that as human beings, um you know, we have so much more agency to do so much than we realize sometimes right with the talents that we have uh with community being together to to come up with innovative ideas um you know just making time for each other to talk and to learn that's what i love about what you do you know what i loved is you know, I do quite a few interviews for various professional things, and, um, but they always have all of these specific questions they ask, and I loved, it It was very refreshing to get your email because you just had a few talking points, mm-hmm. and, that's it. and then you said, we're going to let it flow, right, basically, and I, and I love that. I think sometimes in our world, we, we don't leave enough for the organic, for the conversations, um, and yet that's so important to remember our shared humanity
1: that is so true because that's the whole point when i started this is i wanted to be like two friends sitting down having a cup of coffee or glass of wine or whatever they're drinking together and just having a conversation that you know sometimes you tell your most heartfelt secret to your friends and they share their secrets and i wanted to be it said that there was no topic that was ever off the table for anything i mean i've handled racial issues i've handled mental health issues i want to make sure that these things are not things that hush hush taboo society doesn't want to talk about these are the things i want people to talk about because it's only when we start talking about them can we work on the And work on erasing that stigma around all these types of things. Yeah. Well, and the stigma is even back to homelessness, right? The stigma
2: is just huge, and and we have so many. I mean, the stereotypes that exist. Um, there's a lot of kind of false, you know, mythologies and stories, and and we make it very hard for people to kind of ask for help and to get help, and um, you know, judging all too easy, right? And and yet. It's so important um, that we don't forget, right? That we are all connected in ways and and listen to each other and our stories. And um, so that's really important. And and the challenging stuff, you're right. So many times I think um, conversations that are so essential and imperative Are left out, right? Because they're uncomfortable or because they're heavy or because, you know, we we just don't want to say the wrong thing. I mean, there's all of these different kinds of reasons. And yet it's so important we talk about it. Um, You know, even with homelessness earlier today, I was in the community um, talking about trafficking, sex trafficking. um, And we see, you know, especially during the pandemic now coming out of it, um, just numbers have continued to rise. We have millions of youth, um, you know, on our streets. Um, living and and needing support and resources because of all of the structural kinds of issues that we've we've been talking about. And
0: um,
2: it's it's really, uh, you know, it's just heartbreaking, um, especially because the reality is in our communities, um, if we all just take some more time to invest in our youth, in in our children in in real ways, right? To say, I believe in you, I see you, um, let's build resources, physiological. I mean, think about physical needs, right? As educators, we always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. At the base, we all need shelter. We need air, we need food, a safe place to sleep. These are basic fundamental human rights. And to think millions um, of families and individuals and millions of children, and youth or without, uh, it is heartbreaking. And I think it is a call to all of us. Uh, It merits our attention, our immediate attention, and it merits action, right? Really mindful action in ways. So how how do you think the pandemic has affected the homeless rate? Sure, so the pandemic has, um, it has definitely magnified and grown homelessness in a a number of ways, number of ways. Um, We have seen so many businesses shut down all across the landscape of the US. Um, You know, we have seen so many deaths, right? Precious, precious lives um, that have been lost. And in so many cases, Many were single parents who had a kid. Uh, The child is now having to be put into foster care. I mean, and there are issues where we don't have enough folks fostering. I mean, there's ripples of issues right now. Um, Communities are dealing with, I think about the state of New York, I'm working with some schools there, heavy, heavy issues. So many children, I mean, thousands have lost a parent, uh, you know, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And in some cases, even when it was a uh, two-parent or guardian household, sometimes uh, a life was lost that was the main breadwinner, right? So what does that mean for the family? Um, You know, so COVID-19, medical bills. I mean, there's so many different kinds of exasperations of things that have happened. Um, And then I keep thinking the evictions. We've been able to get moratoriums pushed and we've been able to push it back and push it back. But again, it does not erase the fact that they are looming, that we have millions of families and large amounts of children and youth that are at the brink right now about to be displaced and add into the numbers of homelessness. Um, so really, really real things. Uh, food sec- insecurity. During the pandemic, we saw with schools shutting down, uh, You know, with a lot of community centers had to shut down, uh, many folks uh, could not get to food, right? To basic resources, pantries were shut down. Um, So lots of kinds of ripple effects and it really affected folks on numerous levels. Um, And we are just seeing again in some communities up to 40% increases already. Uh, Mental health issues, right? You brought up mental health, Um, it is huge. Um, The pandemic has has had devastating kinds of mental health implications, and folks have not been able to get resources and help in many uh, cases. So you start to see all of this, right? And then on top of it, um, in so many cities, uh, towns, states, uh, we tend to criminalize homelessness as well. So if somebody is sleeping on a bench, right, instead of helping them, sometimes they're given a citation or a ticket and then they can't pay that citation or ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Or they're swept off and, and put into the woods, but then all of a sudden they do raids, right? The CDC during the pandemic, uh, that was one thing where they said, okay, it's not safe to be doing a sweeps, camp, you know, encampment sweeps. They still were happening in communities mm-hmm. across the US. Um, but, but all of these things, I mean, it, it is, there are physical implications social, emotional, uh, cognitive, all of that, right? And when you think about our children and youth who are in developmental, that is a lot, Um, that is a lot. And so it's, we have a lot of work to do um, across the nation. And I feel it, it, you know, I wish I had brighter news in terms of data, in terms of, but when we're looking at things, I mean, even starting to look and pull data and looking at the next 10 years, Um, it's really, really pretty heartbreaking um, and distressing. And, you know, we're at a place now, I mean, we've had uh, COVID-19 money come in in, in places. And, um, you know, uh, recently I know the administration now has, has uh, enlarged kind of money for, for certain measures that, that definitely outreach. Uh, but with so much growth, it's still very, very, I mean, it, the disparities are so wide. So what can we do as individuals to help? Yeah, that's a that's an awesome question and such an important question. So I always like to say, right, there are ways for everyone to help and to get involved, to be part of uh, the solution. Right. And, and you have to find what you're capable of doing. So, um, you know, Everything helps in the sense we need people at the micro ground level who are volunteering at soup kitchens. We need people to fill the pantries, right, with items. Right now we have lines and lines um, in pantries, right, and not enough food to go. And I'll tell you, rural homelessness, that's a whole nother thing where there's not often even pantries there, uh, resources there, right? So we need people to go out into the community to spread and give. Um, you know, Then, I mean, financial, I mean, even, some people say, I'm so busy, right? I can't do anything, right? Well, a lot of these folks, if, if you're you know, fortunate enough to be in a well-resourced situation, um, you can share your finances, right? So I tell them there are organizations doing this work that needs support. Um, You know, find your local community, like I have a mentoring program, find, you know, the National Coalition for the Homeless, find places where you can actually help, right? By donating, Um, that makes a huge difference. Um, You know, I think, you know, showing up there are mentoring programs um, across the U.S uh there are boys and girls clubs big brother big sister uh so many different ways to get involved and to be a mentor for a youth and we need folks to stay as well see so one of the things that happens often in mentoring um you know in so many nonprofits as well there's kind of a rotation that happens people come in and out because the jobs are so heavy Mm -hmm. there's a lot of secondary trauma just like in schools right we see educators Mm -hmm. Just leaving, um, that's something we need to do a better job too, tending to secondary trauma, right? That's a whole another thing. I'm writing a book right now, actually, about that, uh, healing and nourishment uh, for educators and youth service providers. Uh, but, you know, here's the thing. For so many youth, um, even finding a trusting relationship can be very hard. And for so many, that the last thing we want to do in mentoring situations is perpetuate more hurt or harm, right? And so if you kind of sign up to do it and you, you hook up with the youth, and then you, life gets busy, so you drop it, right? Doesn't affect you mm-hmm. as much, but on the other end, right? You sometimes have a child or a youth who, I mean, the heart is just there's there's so many heartbreaks we can all take, right? Um, And so we want to be very mindful in this work as well. Um, But I think donating, I think showing up, I think volunteering, finding your low income schools in your community and offering to help. Um, You know, there's so much need there. Um, You know, finding local shelters and, and asking what is it you need? right? How can we help? Um, really interesting. Socks are one of the least donated items. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the most needed in shelters for, for folks who are homeless. So um, something very simple, um, you know, many um, schools have started to catch on to this, and I'm really proud my kids kind of helped to start it in schools that they're at, uh, is this idea of Socktober. So taking the month of October mm-hmm. and saying, let's turn it into Socktober and everybody donate socks right? Let's collect as many socks as we can. And these are things at schools that can be a lot of fun for kids, right? Kids get a lot of joy. Um, Let's do that. And let's learn at the same time, right? What does it mean? Why are socks important? You know, what does this mean? At the older levels, I mean, there's even needs for, uh, you know, we are women here, women, hygiene Mm -hmm. products. They are expensive. They are not something that's donated, right? Or readily available often. Mm -hmm and yet when you don't have access to sanitary kinds of you know ways health you know adequate ways you end up finding other means and and and, and people end up sick and even hurt right um, because mm-hmm. so there's just so much i think building awareness right so yeah. having conversations like this we need more of it i think uh, educating people in the community we talked about stereotypes earlier mm-hmm. i think You know, be an upstander. When you hear people kind of uh, stereotyping or just dehumanizing somebody, stand up, right? Remind them of the humanity of that person. Uh, You know, break those myths. Let them know almost 50% in the US are working multiple jobs and are in homeless situations. They are anything but lazy Mm -hmm. in that sense. We have to speak up and out. And so I think, again, there's a number of ways uh, things that we can all do. Uh, I know during the pandemic, you know, we, you know, those who are in homeless situations were extra vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Think about our kids. It's interesting. Even when the pandemic was set, in so many schools, they were starting to teach kids, you know, the safest thing you can do: wash your hands, yeah. right, your hands, uh, keep that mask on. But so many of our children, they didn't even have access to really wash their hands, right? It's not something a sink wasn't readily available. And so a lot of uh, fear was set in in ways, right? And so even what can we do in our community to be responsive, to make sure if we're going to tell all our kids, right, washing hands is important. Um, can we set up washing stations, right, in, in uh, where camp- encampments are mm-hmm. so kids can wash their hands? Can we get, um, you know, antibacterial hand sanitizer out? Can we sew and make masks and pass them out? I think there's a lot we can do. It's just... Um, opening ourselves up to see what is the need, um, and then going back to what are our own capacities and resources and talents, and how can we plug into that, right? How can we plug into that?
1: Now, I know there's a lot of people that think, like you said, the stereotypes, they've done it to themselves. You know, they, they don't want to work. They're either on drug or alcohol abuse. You know, they have mental issues and they don't, they're like drugs in society, but that's not the truth and not the case for majority of the people. So what do you say to people that have that type of stereotype? Yeah. So, you know, I I really try
2: to remind them, um, you know, so one of the things I do with my own students is I have my own students out in the community. Um, So they can actually see for themselves, work with people, feel the humanity. So the next time people are saying these comments, all of a sudden they're thinking, no, right? Linda, the mom that I met who's working two jobs and doing her best, you know, is anything but that. Or Steve, who I met, who's struggling with addiction and wants to get better and help and was homeless, yes, had addiction issues, Um, But here's the thing, grew up in a family where drugs were prevalent, where he didn't have a role model, where he ended up losing his mother to opioids, where he didn't have resources to economically go check into a rehab center, right? These things where when you're more resourced, you have access to. Um, They can start to have these different narratives in their mind. Um, So that's one thing I I, I definitely do is actively get folks to to even conversations and meeting people so you have a different narrative. But I also remind people, right, some of the realities, um, going back to, to remind them of some of the real statistics to say, look, you know, here's I'm in the research right now. Right. Doing this. And that's actually not accurate. You know, did you know? And we have to be. This is also interesting. I always have kind of friendly debates with, with colleagues in this work, uh, because some are like, you know, there's, there's no room, right? For It's kind of, um, we can't be tolerant of, of hateful kinds of um, depictions and words, and, and I fully agree. But I also say understanding human nature, and this is probably the teacher in me, that if we go and just attack them and just mm-hmm. often we don't, our ultimate goal doesn't get accomplished because they shut down or they resist. And then they even hang on more to whatever misconception they have, right? So if we can do it in a way where we're inviting them into conversation, where we're saying, hey, did you know, you know this, right? And engaging them in ways and, and planting these other seeds of logic, um, you know, giving them stories, letting them know, right, our own children. You know, we, we think of homelessness to this day, the public tends to still think of a man with a shopping cart and a brown paper bag. That's not the reality of homelessness anymore. We have millions, ch- families with children are the fastest growing pop- group of the homeless population. So we have to paint those other um, narratives and images um, for them and, and allow them to know the, complexities of situations as well, right? I think, again, people, you know, it's kind of these, oh, they're just lazy, they're on drugs. Um, we know that's not true, right? Just from stories that of folks that we're talking to. We also know that when you are down and you are facing hardship and difficulty because of the structures and systems, it's often very hard to kind of move out of that. Right. The example being what we were just talking about with criminalization, where, you know, somebody's already knocked down and now all of a sudden we're, we're hitting them and hitting them. You know, let me tell you one of the saddest. Um, this is very kind of interesting. Um, and super uh, heartbreaking and distressing as well. Um, but, but a young man that I met who's been having such a hard time getting a job. He's he's had the toughest time getting a job, and it's because he has a, a criminal record. Well, he grew up into homelessness when he was very young. He um, His father was abusive. His mother died early. Father was uh, very abusive. I mean, beat him, sexually molested him. Um, he ended up leaving the house, right, as a runaway, um, was in homeless situations. Um, as a teenager, um, he was, you know, got into some trouble, right? With a, with a robbery situation. Um, in many states, even if they're not, um, we, we tend to give youth adult sentences. So he was kind of given an adult sentence. Um, he was released, but had no resources, nobody to go to. So he was back in a homeless situation. He ended up where he thought he, nobody could see him, but he was kind of behind to the side of a building, urinating because he had to pee. And he ended up getting arrested for that. And in the state that he was in, right, not giving all his details away, um, urinating in public is considered a sexual offense. So now people don't even realize, right, when we talk about systems and structures. So now his label says that he's a sex offender. So it is very, wow. very hard for him to get a job. Um, he, you know, He's judged in a number of ways right away. Um, and here's the thing. Right. he was homeless. He didn't have a place to your I mean, we're very fortunate when we have a bathroom we can just use or you know I, I think about so many of the youth I work with, um, you know they try to go into public places and try to really hide to be able to use the bathroom to clean up you know in the morning. I've been working with schools to get public showering stations and things like that. Um, but when you don't have that, right, you have to go into a 7 Eleven or somewhere. And many places are, are now locking bathrooms and, and when they know you're homeless, you're not allowed to use it. Right. And I understand it, on the other hand, these businesses are saying we're losing business, right? So they come at it from their perspective. It's but here's the thing, at the end of the day, we're all human, right? We all have to urinate. <laughs> you know, we all have to sleep, right? We find a bench to sleep. I mean, and um I fear again that we are criminalizing, we are further injuring people who are already hurting, who are Mm -hmm. already suffering, who are already without basic human rights. Um, And that's just, that's not okay, right? I I think we have to do better, right? We must be better. Um, You know, otherwise, what? and, and it doesn't matter, whatever faith you are, whatever, you know, just as a human being, Mm-hmm. Right. We talk about so much, even to kids about being kind, right? Being kind, treat somebody like you'd want to be treated, be kind. You know, um, when you see somebody fall, help them, pick them up. What happens We're in our world, we're telling those messages, but we're not doing
1: that. Right. Mm-hmm. I want our rhetoric to to match our actions. <laughs> That's what I want. So how can we restore their dignity? Because the- as being homeless people and society looks down on them they don't have that dignity they don't have that self-confidence and that self-esteem that a lot of people you know people in general struggle with it but their struggle has to be like 10 times as worse as ours you know it's it's interesting you bring that
2: up so um, this really, you know, in, in um, academia at universities, they call it research, but for me, it's not, it's my life's work. Um, but I've been collecting and talking to people and documenting stories and trying to learn um, from folks with lived experience. And um, so many have, have brought in this idea of dignity being the most important thing. And they say, you know, and, and somebody even told me, um, this man I met said, you know, when you lose your dignity, you lose everything. Right, everything. And I and he was very insistent. He refused to let people take that away, right? And and tried to hold on to it. He said, you know, they can take everything else. I like, I might not have anything materially, but I refuse to let go. But for so many, that dignity is taken every day, right? And 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 the way it is, I mean it's just Again, we forget to see people as humans, right? I have one of uh, the youngsters I work with, she even shared with me how painful it would be when they would be on the side of the road and they would have a cardboard sign and try to collect money just so they could eat, right? And have food. She had three younger siblings. Um, her mom would often work. This is what she, they would do to try to get some extra money in. But she said it was so painful because so many people, they either would avoid looking at them altogether and look the other way and just completely walk, right? Like we don't see you. Um, Or some would just fling money into their, you know, they wouldn't come close or say hi. They would just take dollar bills and fling them. And their intention is good. They're trying to give money to somebody. But in that action, she talked about how much it hurt, right? That you're just flinging this money at me. And um, it was just the dignity piece, right? Really came into play. And she, she said, more than anything, I wish people would just see me, right? Just mm-hmm. see me, um, and I think at the end of the day, as humans, we all want to be seen, right? Loved, valued, um, felt like we belong, right? We're inclusive in a community, and so often I think I think um, that does not happen. And so, you know, I think you know, talking to people, right? Saying hello, mm-hmm. that goes a huge way. And I understand people will say, whoa, but." you know, if you say hello, you could be attacked or it could be a violent thing or it could be, but that's with any human being, right? I don't understand why this is um, depicted only on the homeless, right? When you know the nature of the, it's, it's again, these stereotypes I think that play. It doesn't mean that we're not safe when we go out on streets or when we're out. you know, there are safety mechanisms in every sort of way. Um, but come on, I, I you know tell me you're telling me this this youth this young girl with her siblings sitting on the side of the road doesn't deserve somebody to say hello right how are you I mean conversation right that matters um, you know even I, so uh, some of the youth I work with we we have the youth even youth in low income situations create um, hygiene and snack bags blessing bags right to mm-hmm. give out to the community um, and one of the big things I told them is let's not just put these physical items in, but I challenged them to say, I want you to also add positive affirmations, right? And love inside of those bags. And it was so touching and beautiful because the kids, they wrote the the most loving messages, right? They had note cards and they put stickers and decorated with markers. and, And some of the kids who had been in homeless situations themselves, they said, these are things I wish someone had said to me. Right? Or I wish I could have had this message. And so we we took time to make all of those and put them in, and it was beautiful to watch because folks would open these bags, right? And um, you know sometimes there were a few folks who who had struggled tr- trouble reading as well. So when we gave them, we also kind of waited to see and if they needed help, we could read it to them as well. But th- many of them they just they tucked and held onto that card, and a few of them just started crying, right? They just held it and and started crying. Um, One of the women I know in our community to this day, I mean, one of the, we've done this cycle of projects so long, but her first card she has, she still carries it around and she's still in a homeless situation. Um, She's been able to go into temporary shelter here and there, but, you know, I'll run into her and the first thing she always does, she takes out that card and shows it to me. Um, It's given her this just um, comfort, right, in so many ways. And I think, you know, that at the end of the day, as human beings, we all, there are basic needs that we all look for, right? Love, you know, belonging, um, care, food, water. Um, and we can all offer that. And I think, I think treating people with dignity is not enough to just, you know, give money or give. And also mm-hmm. going into some of these root causes. I think, you know, um, I think there's this, there's a difference between charity and justice, right? And charity mm-hmm. is important. We need people to give to causes. But we also need justice so these causes don't exist, Mm -hmm. right? We need fundamental shifts and changes and things. And that, again, doesn't just happen without, as Dr. Martin Luther King put it, the tireless exertion and passion of individuals, right? Coming together. Um, That requires all of us, you
1: know, collective impact. So with this collective impact, you have your Poverty and Homeless Conference. Let's talk about that real quick. Yes, I love that.
2: Thank you. So, this really, uh, you talk about collective impact. That is at the heart uh, of this conference, and everybody is welcome to join. Um, You know, the conference brings together diverse stakeholders teachers, school administrators, counselors, social workers, faith organizations, nonprofits, uh, community members, parents and guardians, students. I even say children come and learn, right? Everybody. Um, it's really interesting, you know, we usually do this conference in person uh, at Stetson's campus. We we bring folks together. It's a beautiful day, grounded in social justice. We work with uh, local farmers to get our food and it's just an eco-friendly bags with resources and Really, really wonderful day. Uh, What happened is with the pandemic, um, you know, last year we had the conference planned, and the day before the conference, we had speakers fly in, everything. Um, I got word from our university president at that time. That we had to cancel because of the pandemic, and it, you know the risk was high, and um, it was heartbreaking because we had done so much planning. And but public health, you know, takes priority. And so, uh, what we did is we are doing a virtual conference this summer on July 10th. and um, it's going to be virtual through Zoom. We have speakers, we have uh, youth, we have many voices that are going to be part of this great information that's gonna be shared. You talk about how do we educate ourselves and equip ourselves to have knowledgeable conversations. This is a really wonderful way to do it. Um, And because it's virtual, it really opens it up right, to to Mm -hmm. anybody and everybody. Um, In terms of registration, um, educators are $10 and uh, community members are $15. But if somebody can't afford to pay the $10 or $15, they can just shoot me an email and we will make sure they can get registered for free. So uh, happy to cover registration um, for for any folks who need it. And um, so we are just really excited. It's gonna be a wonderful day. We have some really great speakers. Uh, We're gonna talk about our National Coalition for the Homeless. We just launched a national campaign to end homelessness. And so we're gonna talk a bit about that. Um, I am, I'm super excited and um, just, you know, the more folks that can come out and support, uh, the better. Um, It it really means a lot. And this conference is, um, we we encourage folks, especially during our normal day conference. Now on July 10th, it's virtual on half a day, nine to noon Eastern time. Um, But during the normal conference, we go all day and folks end up getting um, action plans that they develop Mm -hmm. to take back into their communities that they do. Um, And then we also provide a number of resources for kind of ongoing. So since this, we've had food pantries started in schools. We've had weekend um, giveaway bags for families. We've done things over spring break like meals. Um, We've had the shower stations, mentoring programs have grown. Um, giving resources like books, right? How do we get that into the hands of, of, of folks? So many kids have never owned their own book, right? And, and what does it mean? I mean, uh, books have so much power. Literacy is is a is just one of the most powerful and needed skill sets. Um, so we really try to tackle all of this and think about sustainable, innovative solutions, uh, working together, right? That we can do. So it really is 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 a, a conference of hope as well. It, you know we also make it
1: uplifting. Um, it's just wonderful to be in beloved community with so many folks who care. That is so true. Now our time is almost up. Is there one thing that you want to share before we go? You know, thank you
2: for that. I love that. Uh, there's a lot I can share, but I think I'll just end on a simple note because I'll share to you. My, I'm my mom. Um, growing up, you know, all of these heavy issues, I, um, it's, it's a lot. You, you feel it and it's heavy. And sometimes you just break down, right? You feel like, can I do anything? And Amma would tell me a quote by Mother Teresa, and she always said this quote um, all the time to me. And so now today it's it's words that I constantly hear in the work that I do no matter where I go. And so I'll share that quotation with everyone uh, listening. I alone cannot change the entire ocean, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples and uh, these are words that i say to myself often and i truly believe we can all cast those ripples Uh, and when we come together i always tell people when you come together those ripples can become waves waves of
1: goodness and love and change i love that and i Anytime you wanna come back and add more to these ripples and changes, let me know because you're more than welcome to come back. Oh, that's awesome.
2: Well, thank you, your thoughtful questions. And I just, you're so easy to talk with too. <laughs> oh my God, this is great. You're so good at what you do. Um, I, I love this. I really enjoyed it and, and I look forward to it. I would love to come back you know, and, and share at some point. Uh, many things we can talk about, I'm sure, that we can chat about in your blog
1: cabin for sure. So um, Rajne, I said it right that time, didn't I? You did. You got Yay. it. I want to thank you for being on and for sharing about you know, your heart, because you could see your heart in what you were talking about. I think a couple of times I think you almost teared up as you were talking. And I, I want to acknowledge you for that, because a lot of people don't, like you said, they don't see the person, the homeless person. They just see, oh, somebody wanting to hand out. Well, they should go get a job. So I want to thank you for sharing about that and some of those action steps that we could actually do as individuals to help with the homeless situation. And guys, I will drop all the links for where you can buy the the book of poetry, as well as if you want to grab into the conference in the show notes. And as always be blessed and remember, keep chatting.
0: (laughs) Chats from the blog cabin. Subscribe. and don't, don't miss, miss the next, next episode. episode.